you think you know what we're going to talk about. But unfortunately, I fell down a damn rabbit hole and I've not gotten out yet. <laughs> Knife bros. I literally googled Sebastian Stan hands. But just when you least expect it, we changed the game. Well, yeah, because like, usually in astrology, they would partner up air signs with fire signs. All right, you can, you can hoggle. Time travel stories. and At the end of the day, only one thing matters. We decide. Well, we should make it a topic. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't take German in school. I barely took, I took Spanish and I don't remember any of it. Three Fates Decide podcast. Hi everyone! Welcome to another episode of Three Fates Decide. I am your co- I'm your host Liz, and I'm here with my two co-hosts, uh, Mary and Sam. Say hi. Hello. Hello. Okay, so we are tackling uh, one of the uh, big pop culture juggernauts of the uh, <laughs> late twentieth, early twenty first centuries. Harry Potter. Yeah, we're going to be doing this um, in a series of multiple episodes because of how big uh, the series is in general. And also there's many things to talk about. So in this episode, we're going to cover the first three books. We'll talk a little bit about like some of the differences between the movies and the original novels themselves. And also like a little bit about what we thought of them. Um, both uh, in terms of like the context of, you know, how much like this book series slash movie series affected pop culture in general, and also just how we personally felt about it. Each of the books, uh, the first time we um, read or saw the films. Okay, so uh, we'll start with the first of the series. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, or as we Americans were introduced to the series, uh, to the book, um, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which, by the way, I still think it's kind of silly why they had to change that, but whatever. Um, us okay. Americans don't know what philosophers are. Yeah. <laughs> apparently we're, we're dumb and we don't know these things, especially children apparently are too dumb to know what that is. I mean, it's still magical mystical whatever regardless <laughs> i don't know what the difference is but anyway i'm with you yeah but that's a whole other issue okay so um before we start just a reminder spoiler alert spoiler alert um you have been warned and now we will proceed with a very brief summary of this first uh part of the seven novel series so Harry Potter is an orphan boy brought up by his unkind muggle, a.k.a. non-magical aunt and uncle. At the age of 11, half-giant Rubius Hagrid informs him that he is actually a wizard and that his parents were murdered by an evil wizard named Lord Voldemort. Voldemort also attempted to kill one-year-old Harry on the same night, but his killing curse mysteriously rebounded and reduced him to a weak and helpless form. Harry becomes extremely famous in the wizarding world, world as a result. Harry begins his first year at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry and learns about magic. During the year, Harry and his friends Ron Weasley and Hermione Granger become entangled in the mystery of the Philosopher's Stone, which is being kept within the school. And yeah, that just about sums up the most important parts of that um, first uh, part in the series. 
What did you guys think overall of it? So the book, um, for anyone who hasn't read it, it is relatively tiny. Um, so it was a very quick, easy read. Uh, I loved it, you know, but um, biased because I like all the books. <laughs> um, but no, I thought, you know, it, it was a good way to start off what became such a huge series. Um, you know, obviously you are learning things just like Harry is, you know, you, you are learning all about the magical world kind of through his eyes. And, um, you know, it's, it really does kind of get you excited for this whole different world that is among us muggles, uh, through, you know, through everything. And it made me want to go to Hogwarts. Me too. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still waiting on my love on my uh, letter. <laughs> Come on! Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Uh, I will say when I first heard about the books, it was actually my my mom and dad who told me about it, and I was just like, "Well, that just sounds like a dumb thing. That just sounds dumb." And so my dad got the first book, and he read it. And then I ended up picking it up and I was hooked because I was like, I didn't think I would like it, mm -hmm. but it, it was just, it, it just, it draws you in. Right. Yeah. No, it, I just, I thought it was a really good way to get you into the world, you know? And again, it's not a long book. Um, and you know, the movie adaptation, I know Christopher Columbus, who was the director, really wanted to stay as true to the books as possible. We're going to go mm -hmm. over kind of some of the differences, but there's really not that much for the first book. I mean, some characters no. that aren't in there, but they're not, you know. They're secondary characters, so they're they, they don't yeah, have to do with the main plot. And there's a right. few things that they omitted from the movies that were in the books, but it's nothing that really was critical to the that I that I felt mm -hmm. was critical to, to move the story forward. I I agree. Yeah. Um. Uh, for me, like I actually got into the series when I was like, it was like after college. Um, because I think the books originally came out when. I think I was still in high school at the time, I think. Uh, so at that point in time, like, I wasn't really interested in Harry Potter. Like, I was aware of it because, like, obviously I had classmates and friends who start reading it. I was not really interested mainly because, um, for one thing, like, my personal taste and, like, what I was interested in reading was not... Um, stuff that was marketed as like younger kids reading not that not that harry potter was like meant to be like young kids obviously but you know like middle school maybe slightly younger kids could read it like that you know books like that weren't really what i was interested in at the time and you know along with like you know you have plenty of stuff to read for school obviously so i just didn't have any time or interest um then but then after college was over and, you know, I started working and stuff and I had more free time uh, to read other stuff again, 
Um, I finally checked it out after, you know, I heard like millions and millions and millions of people enjoyed the series. And I immediately could understand why this appeals to both children and adults. Because the thing is, is that what I liked about it is that you can, you can, as you read the book, at least, um, as, and well, yeah, same thing with the movie, is that it doesn't talk down to kids who could be, you know, um, reading or watching this. Like, they may, it, it makes you feel like you are part of the adventure, like you're in on this, you know, interesting world that Harry is getting himself into and is discovering because, you know, you as the audience are also discovering it. So from that perspective, like, I, I would say, like, it was, you know, it's great for kids to get into. And my nieces, um, especially my older niece, really loved it when I introduced it to her. Like, she was eight, almost nine years old, and she became a Potterhead afterwards. Still is. And she's in college now. Um, but what I also appreciate is, like, as an adult getting into it, I appreciate how it's much more sophisticated um, in terms of, like, the world building and the writing, partially because, like I was saying before, is that it doesn't talk down to a younger audience. Like, they don't, they don't treat you as, like, you're, oh, you're, like, you know, too young or kind of, like, well, not stupid, but, you know, too lacking in knowledge to understand, you know, things and understand, you know, all, you know, the complexities of the real world, but... You know, she, you know, what I, what I would say is that, like, J.K. Rowling did not, you know, she made it easy to understand, you know, some of the, you know, very serious themes that, you know, ends up developing more as you go on through the rest of the series. And, you know, one of the main ones is, like, the whole issue with death. You know, I mean, you get introduced to your main character and he's an orphan. You know, so death becomes a thing that comes up quite a bit throughout the series. And that is something you don't often find in, you know, children's literature, at least not at that time, I felt like. Um, I don't know. But yeah, that that's kind of like how I felt about the first book. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so, no. As we mentioned, we're going to kind of go into book and movie. So obviously with the movie, uh, I had mentioned before, it did stay very true to the book. A couple of, you know, minor things um, that they, you know, changed for the um, uh, for the movie. Um, you know, for instance, uh, you know, eliminating... Like in the in the beginning, when Harry started getting the letters from Hogwarts, and you know the Dudleys were ignoring it and stuff like that. The Dudleys being the aunt and uncle Dursleys. that he's living with. I'm sorry, yes, Dudley's Dursleys. the cousin, the Dursleys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I read Dudley, that's why the Dursleys okay. um, are the aunt and uncle. Dudley is the cousin. Um, but technically, before they go to what is called the hut, which is like the shack in the middle of like you know this raging. Uh, ocean they actually had gone to a hotel but the letters kept you know finding them so that's why they go to what's called the the hut but they completely eliminate that just to kind of keep things moving obviously you didn't you wanted to get to hogwarts as soon as possible um 
you know, uh, other small things. Like technically in the book, Harry first met Draco Malfoy actually in Diagon Alley um, while shopping. And then sure. while he was on the Hogwarts Express, he kind of learned that Malfoy is actually a, a bad guy. And that's why he didn't want to be friends with him. Where in the film, he didn't meet Draco until they were already at the school. So also in the the book, Harry first learns about Quidditch, which is like their version of like soccer, football, you know, mix. <laughs> um, he learns about it from Draco while in Diagon Alley. And then but meanwhile, in the movie, he learns about it later on when he's learning how to fly or after he learns how to fly. Uh, there is a character that is missing which is Peeves who's the poltergeist technically they did film scenes for him it ended up being cut and so he was cut from all the movies which is very sad because I liked Peeves <laughs> I know I was I so wanted Peeves to make an appearance because well, yeah. I, I loved Peeves throughout all the books just because he was just that little sarcastic poltergeist troublemaker in the background but his trouble really never caused any harm right you know right which is, which is what i loved he he caused trouble but he never caused harm to anybody right yeah um so a couple of other little things Ed and george are actually the first ones to meet harry and uh met him on the platform platform nine and three quarters and actually wound up telling the rest of their family. And then, obviously, Ron comes and introduces himself uh, once he gets to the compartment. Oh, Neville actually comes to their com uh, compartment, sits with them, I believe. Yes. Yes. Um, so that's, you know, where in the movie it's only to ask about... They No, I'm sorry. He comes to their compartment not to sit with them, to ask them if... You've seen his toad in the movie. Only Hermione asks them if they've seen a toad. That's what it is. I apologize. So they actually meet Neville uh, before Hermione. Um, though in the book, Hermione does ask if they've seen the toad. But anyway. Right. Uh, the sorting hat is actually a longer ceremony than in the movie. Because they go alphabetical order in the novel. So Harry's toward the end. <laughs> um, yeah. And one thing that I like that they did in the movie, uh, along with the book, is, you know, when he gets the sorting hat on, what you don't know is in the book, the sorting hat only talks to the person that it's, like, the head that it's on. Like, the people around don't hear it. It's like an in, uh, inter-monologue conversation. But obviously, in order to, for the audience in the movie to see what's going on, actually showed you the um hat talking the conversation so i thought that was good so that you can still kind of see how harry's like begging please don't make me uh slytherin <laughs> yeah he's, he's like please not slytherin please not slytherin please not slytherin are you sure <laughs> all right if you're sure better be gryffindor <laughs> No, I haven't watched that movie more than once, have I? <laughs> yeah, right? 
Oh my god. Too funny. Too funny. Yes. Um, let's see. So, talking about Norbert. Taggart got the dragon egg and playing cards or something. And which they show in the movie. I mean, that's in the that's in the film and the book. Talk about it, but then right, but. In the book, they actually, when they've decided that Norbert is too much for Hagrid to handle, he's getting, he's too big. They just, he, he's a wild dragon, for heaven's sakes. You can't tame them. They, um, Charlie, which is Ron's older brother, who works with dragons in Romania, comes to Hogwarts and along with three other uh, dragon keepers and takes Norbert back to Romania. They do not show that in the film, though. They just right. say that Dumbledore sent him to Romania. And they omit in the movie that it's Charlie Weasley at all. Like, they don't even mention Charlie. So it's exactly. literally just, he's going to Romania. Exactly. And then for the detention, because they were caught outside of the uh, castle. And then, you know, so the Harry, Hermione, and Ron get put into detention. And then Draco actually gets in detention for being out past curfew and it turns out that Neville is also in detention with them when they go into the Forbidden Forest. Yes. Well, actually it was supposed to be Neville and not Ron because Ron was actually in the hospital wing in the book because he'd already got, he'd gotten bitten by Norbert and Norbert is venomous, which they don't tell you in the book, in the movie. So it was actually... Harry, Neville, Hermione, right. Hermione and, and Draco. Mm-hmm. But in the movie, it was Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Draco. Um, and I just want to preface, so you hear in, in the movie a lot, they talk about points. And they don't make it as big of a deal in the movie as it is in the books. Like in the books, in the Great Hall, um, yeah, the Great Hall or whatever, like, there's actually mm-hmm. like how I imagine was like hourglasses. Yeah. Per house. So there's four houses. And every time a professor gives, you get you know, rubies or whatever that gets in there. And then if you get points taken away, they get like sucked up. That's how I always imagined it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just feel like they didn't, they never made it as big of a deal in the movie as it was in the books. Just wanna, um, yeah, because once again, the points don't matter. Just like in whose line is it anyway? Yeah. Um, <laughs> God, that that that's a blast from the past. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so there are two <laughs> other centaurs that technically in the movie. Uh, that are with Ferenz when they're in the Forbidden Forest, but they are omitted, so it's just Ferenz that you meet. And Ferenz is the one that saved Harry, um, who you learn is Voldemort when he's drinking unicorn blood. Exactly. Uh, they then they have then uh, they have a. Uh, it's right around Halloween, isn't it? That they're trying to do that. That they're at they're at the feast and uh, Quirrell comes in saying a uh, professor Quirrell comes in saying that uh, there's a troll. Yeah, yeah, there's a troll, and that's when they realize that 
who they they thought S Professor Snape was trying to steal the Philosopher's Stone this entire time because of they because nobody likes Snape. They all said he was a slimy git. Book and movie. I liked Snape. I was one of the few people that liked Snape. <laughs> I think. Um, uh, and so they they would they're like they wanted to uh, they were trying to get through to go past the uh, trap door, and that's when they they have they fight the troll. Also, in in the book, what's true with the movie and the book is that Hermione is in the bathroom crying when Quirrell comes in, and that there is a a, a troll. Yeah, and Harry and Ron do go to find her, but when they see the troll going into a room, they didn't realize that that was actually the girls' bathroom, so they lock the troll in the bathroom. And after they they hear Hermione screaming because obviously the troll starts attacking, and that's when they realize that they lock the troll in with her in the bathroom, thus then having to go in and save her. Again, not too much uh, difference in terms of like the the end, them going through like all different like like, like obstacle courses to to get to Quirrell, who we find out is the bad guy. Um, the only thing is that uh, Nicola, Nicholas Flamel's wife is the very end of the movie, movie, excuse me, book, <laughs> but they don't mention her um, because. Um, I guess Harry, like when they found when he found out Flamel was actually dying because he's not using the stone anymore. Um, and the only other thing we don't see it until actually the second movie, but um, he gets a photo album from Hagrid while he's in the hospital, um, and it's like an album of like his his family. So that's how he sees like his parents and things like that. So. Uh, like I said, we don't see that until really the second movie, but it, he, it's actually given to him in the first book when he's in the hospital. So, okay. So, yeah, that's kind of like the some of the changes. Um, physical appearance in the book, Hermione is described to have bushy hair and prominent front teeth, which obviously Emma Watson does not have. They tried to make her hair as bushy as possible. It's definitely not as bad as they make it seem in the book. In the book, Harry has green eyes. Daniel Radcliffe has blue eyes. They tried to do colored contacts, but Daniel was allergic. So that's why he has blue eyes in the movie. And in the book, he's described as having messy black hair. But obviously Daniel's hair is brown not black and it really was never messy like that was like they always talked about the messy hair like green eyed boy like whatever and it really wasn't yeah because she um, he he was always said to have his mother's eyes yes which in the books which never made sense in the movies because obviously she had green eyes and he has blue um and Ron is actually supposed to be very tall and lanky, and Fred and George are supposed to be shorter than him, and it was the opposite <laughs> in the films. So, well, you can't always predict how tall kids are going to get, though, right. when you cast them. That's the thing. Right. Right. So. Yeah. But, um. So yeah. 
But I thought, other than obviously the small, minute physical differences, which again, you can never get it perfect. I thought they did a very good job at casting. I thought Daniel Radcliffe was perfect. Harry, obviously minus the the blue eyes, but he, I thought he resembled Harry perfectly. Um, I, you know, I really do think that they did a great job with casting. Yeah, I, but overall, like I, I actually thought like the kid actors actually did pretty good um, in the movie, especially at the time because they were actual kids more or less around the same age as the characters. So they did an amazing job. Like, you really believe that, you know, oh, this kid is from a wizarding family. You totally believe it. You know, this, well, you know, not that it's hard to pretend that you're uh, not a <laughs> from a wizarding family, but um, yeah, you totally believe it. You believe these kids, which shows how really good a job they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do think the casting was pretty spot on for all for everybody, especially Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah. Richard Harris was the absolute perfect Dumbledore. He reminded me of the Dumbledore from the books. He looked like the Dumbledore that I pictured in my head from the book. May he rest in peace. Uh, yes, may he rest in peace. And Snape was the other one. And may Alan Rickman rest in peace. Yes. And I will say, I did like... um Robbie Coltrane as uh, Ruby's Haggard. Yes. He, 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 that, that, was a, that was a very good choice. That was a very good choice. Yeah, no, he did a great job. Did a great job. Yeah. They all did. They all did a really good, good job. They, they, they did. Though I, I still, the only one that I really was crazy about, I have to say, and it, granted he was just kind of like a minor character in the background, was Dudley. Yeah. I, I just, didn't give me that something. I, I don't know what it was. I don't know. He just, he wasn't as convincing. I mean, he still did a good job. He just wasn't as convincing to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else from the first book slash movie? Not really. Not really. They they did pretty good with, I mean, they kept it pretty, pretty true to the, the book. Yeah. Like I said, anything that we mentioned, it's all little little things like there was no major as we go on not the third one is a little bit more but like the first two books is is basically there's not many changes but as we go on we'll get more into the things that were omitted that probably shouldn't have been but okay so let's move on to the second harry potter book which is harry potter and the chamber of secrets um, Harry, Ron, and Hermione return to Hogwarts for their second year, which proves to be more challenging than the last. The Chamber of Secrets has been opened, leaving students and ghosts petrified by an unleashed monster. Harry must face up to claims that he is the heir of Salzar Slytherin, who is actually the founder of the Chamber, and... People also learn that he can speak parcel tongue and also discover the properties of a mysterious diary, only to find himself trapped within the Chamber of Secrets itself. Dun, dun, dun. It's quite the synopsis. <laughs> right? But that's, that's pretty much the what the book and the movie's all about. Yeah, it is true. That is what it is about. Without going yeah. into too much detail. Exactly. Which we <laughs> like. 
you know yeah i mean you know some of the some of the earlier adventures that um harry hermione and ron get into it 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 Almost, there's there's a bit of that Scooby Doo getting feeling to it. You know, it's like you 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 stumble upon like uh, weird happenings happening, and then you inadvertently find some clues, and you start poking around to get more clues, and then ha ha, you unmasked the truth at the end of the story. All sorts of wacky things happening along the way. Yes, yes, some crazy characters. Alright, so going into some changes. So one character that we meet that is I think everyone's one of everyone's favorites is Dobby. Yes. Yeah. Dobby the house elf. And at the very beginning, we don't know who Dobby belongs to. Basically we learn like house elves have to basically follow orders and they can't be freed unless their master presents them with clothing. So just a little. There's not too many things, like I said, too many changes uh, from the book to the movie. Can I just say one thing? And sure. I'm just reading it. So, sorry, and then you can. So, you know, the whole thing is like underage wizards can't perform magic, right? Unless they're in right. school. Right. When you get to Diagon Alley, right? And obviously Harry winds up going to the wrong place, breaks his glasses, whatever. And in the film, okay, Hermione mm-hmm. repairs them. No one says anything, even though it's underage magic, and you can't do that. That's a big no-no. I'm glad in the book, it's actually Mr. Weasley who fixes Harry's glasses. But it annoys me, almost, that they switched it to Hermione. I, I need to know why they would do that when mm-hmm. it's underage magic. Like, why would you do that? Sorry. I, like, read it, and I was it like, was- oh. Well, I I know uh, in places like Diagonal D- Diagonally, and even on the uh, Hogwarts Press, those are places full of magic. So it would be very difficult to know exactly who was performing that magic in those. Whether they was, it's probably why they got they felt they could get away with it in the movie. Huh. Okay, so in the book. Mr. Weasley, Arthur Weasley, actually fights Lucius Malfoy at Flourish and Blots, which they completely weave out of the uh, movie. Instead, in the movie, they just exchange some tense words with each other. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, like, the changes that they do, especially in these beginning movies, like we said earlier, are, like, relative, like, in the grand scheme of things, are relatively minor things that... Mm-hmm. Um, don't really do much of anything to detract from the story in any way. So, you know, it's it, it it's a mix of like, well, okay, let's simplify things so that we don't have to spend extra time and money filming every single thing. Right. But, you know, also like we just want, but, you know, at the same time, it's like we still want to make it make sense as, as much as possible anyway, just by that one little detail. Yeah. Right. Um. <laughs> Yeah. One one thing that is different. So anyone that has seen, you know, the the films, um, Draco calls Hermione a mudblood, which is a very derogatory name for muggles. And in the book, Hermione actually never heard the term before. 
Ron was the one that actually had to explain what it was. But in the film, not only does she know, but she's actually very like offended and like gets emotional over it. Um, so that's that's a, a little something. There's a death day party for uh, nearly headless Nick. Anniversary of the day of his death. They completely ignore that. But again, not important. So I completely understand why. You find out right. in this book that a filch is what's called a squib. And a squib is actually a non-magical person born from two magical parents. They completely ignore that throughout all the books. You really don't even know that about filch. I think people just assume he is magical, but he's just like the, the, the guy. But he is what's called a squib. So they completely ignore that. And he gets made fun of, actually, as a result, which is just kind of sad. Okay, so they, so Ron and her, uh, excuse me, Ron and Harry had gotten attention at one point, and Ron's attention was to shine the trophies in their big trophy room. And that's actually how he learns about Tom Riddle. And they cut that from the movie. It's in a deleted scene. They did film it, but they cut it out of the film. I don't think there's much of anything else that was like distinctly in case you didn't watch or read uh, the reason why Harry and Ron go into the chamber of secrets toward the end is because Ron's little sister Ginny was taken by the monster and the reason why Harry can hear the monster throughout the school is because monster is a monster-sized snake and as we mentioned harry is what's called parcel tongue which means he can understand snakes and speak to them he can understand and speak to snakes which was a trait of salazar slytherin right and you find Mm -hmm. i know exactly what you're gonna say i was about to say too go ahead (laughs) you find out that the only reason well at the end of it when they save when when they they save everybody you find out at the end of it that the only reason that harry can speak to snakes is because of voldemort and when the curse rebounded off of harry and hit voldemort it transferred some of voldemort's power into Harry because Voldemort was the last descendant of Salazar Slytherin mm-hmm. and not Harry and poor Harry I know that poor kid he was so lonely been through a hell of a lot Fairly <laughs> <laughs> being 12 poor kid right oh my god oh yeah that is some of the more I guess, uh, important uh, changes. And then, oh, just one more thing that is actually in the the book, um, in the movie, is that Harry frees Dobby by tricking uh, Lucius in a way. So Lucius, we find out, okay, rewind. So way that poor Ginny was basically uh, corrupted to 
do all these things for Tom Riddle. Tom Riddle is a, um, I want to say like a variant. That's like the first word that kind of comes to mind. Like he's the younger version of Voldemort. He's, he's what you'll find out later, a Horcrux of Voldemort in a diary. And yes, Lucius gives the diary to Ginny without anyone knowing. And then Ginny kind of goes under like this, uh, like spell type of thing and is like hypnotized and doing all this stuff for him. And that's why she goes down to the Chamber of Secrets, whatever. So at the end, Harry gives the, the diary back to Lucius because he figures out that you know, that's how Ginny got it. And he put his sock in there so that when Lucius gave Dobby the diary and Dobby opened it, the sock would come out. And then Dobby was finally free from that abusive yeah. home. Dobby was free. The use of loopholes. Right. Gotta love him, right? <laughs> and fun fact, so at when after it happens, like obviously Lucius is very upset that he just lost his house. So he actually goes yes. to do the Avada Kedavra before he's like blasted away from Dobby. That's was ad libbed by Jason Isaacs, who is Lucius Malfoy in movie another it's, fantastic casting by the way yes yes and a f- fantastic actor just yes. in general I mean, he really he's like i don't know a role of his that i haven't liked all i can say is while jason isaacs may not be a slimy asshole in real life he plays slimy asshole really well yes he's so good <laughs> yes he, he really makes you hate him yep First time I ever saw him was the Patriot, and I was like, "Oh, right!" I was like, from everything I've ever read about him, he seems to be like a very a genuinely nice guy, and yet the man plays slimy asshole well. I'm just like, don't know how you do it, uh-huh. but you're good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, no, that was a uh, that was an amazing casting, amazing casting. It really, really, truly was. And unfortunately for Richard Harris, this was his last movie, for Harry Potter, because yes. he did pass away before the third movie was shot. Yes. Which brings yes. us to so, the third movie. Yes, or book and or both. The third third book slash movie. Um, is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. And this movie slash book is Harry Potter's third year sees the boy wizard along with his friends once again attending Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Professor R.J. Lupin joins the staff as Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher while convicted murderer Sirius Black escapes from Azkaban prison. The Ministry of Magic entrusts the Dementors of Azkaban to guard Hogwarts from Sirius Black. Harry learns more about his past and his connection with the escaped prisoner in this book slash movie. I like this one. So This is actually one of my favorites. Yes. yes. Yeah. I would have to say my, my absolute favorite is probably um, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Mm. The, the fifth book is probably my favorite, but this is like 
second best. Yeah. Oh, this was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, this one was good because you actually get to dive more into uh history like like Harry's I don't want to say Harry's past but more like lost family history if you will that he was not aware of but you just like him are learning more about what happened before and you start to realize that what you as the audience and what Harry thought he knew about what was going on back then isn't the complete story. That's the thing I I like about it is that you you kind of learn more about like more about his parents cuz like all he knew up to that point was that, you know, his parents were a witch and a wizard. They got killed by, you know, this evil wizard Voldemort for some reason that they I don't think from what I recall, they didn't really fully explain why they targeted him or they do. I, it's the prophecy. Oh yeah, that's true. That's right. They did it mention was the prophecy. However, yeah. there was two there was two young boys that could have been the bearer of that prophecy. That a lot of people um and they they've never really stated it in any of the books or the movies. Or they stated in the books, but not, not the, the movies. movies, as far as I can remember, was the fact that there was two boys born on the thirty first of July. The one right, but, right. was oh, Harry what? Potter. I thought the they didn't. Right, sorry. It was Neville. I thought that didn't come up until the fifth book, though. I can't. Yeah, it was later. It it was later, but that's that's why. Right, but as of the third book, though, I don't remember them ever mentioning a prophecy. No. They they don't mention. No, I don't think they did. I don't think they did. It was it. It's yeah, because from what I could remember, like again, maybe I'm misremembering, but I could have sworn that as of the third book, they never really explained why harry's family was targeted other than you know oh he's an evil wizard right like each book stuff. so each book i feel like you learn you get another piece of the puzzle right right which is what yeah which is what like i was trying to say before was that like especially in the third book you mm -hmm. you start getting info that you didn't know about before regarding what happened back then right. because up to that point you only got bits and bobs, you know, in the first book and a little bit of, in the second book. But, you know, it wasn't that much, mm -hmm. which is why it was a shocking reveal for Harry. Like, all this stuff that he found in the third book. Like, he had no idea, like, Lupin was even a friend of his dad's. Mm -hmm. He didn't know that this evil convict is his long-lost godfather, who technically would have probably gotten custody of him. Mm -hmm. uh if he wasn't like a convicted criminal so um yeah. yeah all those what ifs and mysteries and things yeah no and that's not honestly kind of like what i like about these books is like i said it's like each book you get a different piece of the puzzle that explains like everything you know leading all the way up to like the end when you kind of you know it all comes to a head but it's like you know, 
at this point, the first book you learn that Harry is a wizard. His parents were murdered. And that the person that did murder him disappeared. But is still around. Um, the second book, right. you learn that because Harry's mom protected him, Harry, when Voldemort tried to kill Harry, he, you know, obviously survived and he got some of the characteristics of Voldemort. Now, this one, you learn that his parents were betrayed by someone close to them, Voldemort, which is why all that happened. So, yeah, it's just another piece of this puzzle that we're learning. The the first thing that they um that they changed in the the movie was that Harry once again underaged is using a spell. Yeah. And he does not get written up for it. Yep. And that has always kind of sat funny with me cuz I'm like he's in a muggle household and they they could figure out they they knew what happened last year with Dobby, you know, thinking that it was Harry making doing the magic, but now he's doing magic and they just don't give a shit. Yep. <laughs> really? Yeah. It is yeah, weird. It's okay. It's like I don't think so. Yeah. Like, I do not think so. <laughs> and then uh, Aunt Marge. Oh God. Aunt Marge brings back horrible flashbacks of my family <laughs> not not obviously not the getting blown up and flying around the chimneys but just the the attitude yeah and in the book I, I, she, I, she only floats up to the ceiling she doesn't fly out of the house exactly exactly night bus Harry, in order to keep in the book in order to keep his identity a secret he calls himself Neville Longbottom. Poor Neville. Please Neville. Neville. (laughs) But in the film he doesn't he doesn't say Neville. He just doesn't say who he is. Right. And then he actually stayed at the leaky cauldron like two weeks after he got there because he still had two weeks left of summer vacation. Right. Yeah and they they cut out the entire uh diagonally uh scenes from the book in the book in the movie so harry first meets ron and hermione back in the leaky cauldron Uh i think one of the biggest one of the biggest thing that they omitted from the film or at least they don't reveal it in the film the origins of the martyrs map they like go all into the storyline in the book yeah they don't do that And it's just like all of a sudden there's just the there's a map marauders like here you go. <laughs> yeah. In uh the Quidditch match where Harry gets attacked by the Dementors or whatever, he falls off his broom. It it actually in the book they talk about how Cedric Diggory, who is obviously a more dominant character in the next one, uh, is the one that actually catches the snitch. In the film, he's struck by lightning. With Harry's Patronus, um, or when he's doing the the Patronus lessons, I should say. During his first lesson, he tries to ward off the Dementor twice unsuccessfully. In the book, it's only once. Once. Yeah. 
And also Harry's memory is actually how happy he is. Or how happy he would be if he left the Dursleys. The film, he makes up some crazy thing about his parents. Yeah, that was just to, that was just, I swear, they, they just used that for, uh, to make people feel bad for him. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't already feel bad for the kid. I mean, my God. Yeah. Oh, I think we do find out about the prophecy. Hold on. Oh, no, I think it's just the prophecy of the, that she has in the, in the film. I lied. Um, about see. how remember she had a prophecy in the in the movie. I think that's that's what it is. I saw prophecy and I was yeah, like, oh, it, we do find out. We didn't. Yeah, no, it's in the prophecy that she she states is it will happen tonight. The Dark Lord lies alone and friendless, abandoned by his followers. His servant has been chained these twelve years. Tonight, before midnight, the servant will break free and set out to rejoin his master. The Dark Lord will rise again with the servant's aid, greater and more terrible than he ever was. Tonight, before midnight, the servant will set out to rejoin his master. At least that's, that was what it was in the book. Yeah. I think they did a shortened version. <laughs> yeah. In the film, it was, he will return tonight. Tonight, he who betrayed his friends, whose heart rots with murder, shall break free. Innocent blood shall be spilt, and servant and master shall be re- reunited once more. And it's purposely vague enough where yep. we are meant to believe it was serious black, but it turned out to be somebody else. Yes. Oh, prophecies. <sighs> oh, that's the whole thing. They leave the guessing. Oh, you learn in the in the uh, book, they talk about how Lupin actually has a, a connection to the Shrieking Shack and the Whomping Willow. So, you, you know, it's very um close to him because of his werewolfness yes because we find out he's an act he actually is a werewolf they don't also don't um talk about actually who the marauders are in this movie not really mm-hmm. i mean not really i mean they kind of do but you don't really you don't really know because it's because it says as the identities of the Marauders are not revealed until the fourth and fifth films, it causes a bit of confusion as to why Snape has such hatred towards Sirius and Lupin in the third for those who have not read the books. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the book, Hermione is with Harry and Sirius when they're attacked by Dementors in the film. Uh, she attempts to run after them, but Snape stops her. Um, and at the end, since poor Ron lost his rat, because uh, Gabbers is actually Peter Pettigrew, and Peter Pettigrew is bad, bad man who uh, betrayed yeah. Lily the and James. Rat. So, yeah. the treacherous rat, if you will. Yes, exactly. Uh, serious. I mean, he chose he chose the he chose a good animagus form. Yes, but serious, a rat. serious, He's really good, Ron. A little owl called Pidwidgeon. Pidwidgeon. Try and say that. Yeah, try and say that a couple times fast. Pidwidgeon. Pidwidgeon. But yeah, so Sirius is a nice guy. Oh, and Harry technically gets his firebolt well before the end of the movie. The book. He gets it for Christmas. In the movie, he gets it at the end. So. That is pretty much 
end. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess like the final conclusion, I guess I have, um, is that it, it kind of feels like these first three are like the more innocent, fun parts of like Harry Potter in a way, because granted, it did get dark in some places, especially, you know, when you're dealing directly with Voldemort and then, you know, the Dementors being a thing in the third book. But you end up feeling like at the end of the movies and also at the end of the books that there's something like, um, not lighthearted, but, you know, you, you still felt like, you know, wow, another event adventure ended and, you know, what new, you know... It's almost like a bit hopeful in a way that like, you know, oh, you know, what crazy wacky thing is going to happen next year. But then when you get into the fourth book and then the rest of the series, it just feels like it gets progressively darker and darker, which um, if I recall um, an interview like J.K. Rowling did like ages ago, I think she indicated that she intentionally did it that way to have the stories get darker as Harry gets older and I guess he starts um, maturing and developing like an ability to start processing some of these things mm -hmm. that you know he wouldn't have been able to deal with had this hap had some of these things happen in the first year right you know especially because Right. Especially because, you know, initially the target demographic, you know, granted it's both kids and adults reading it, but the initial target audience for the series are children. And it's like if you're reading the books and you're basically growing up along with Harry, just as he's starting to deal with like bigger things and more complex emotions and situations, you as the the kid reader are also doing the same. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I just remember from watching the uh, reunion that they just did on HBO Max. Like, the third movie was where they kind of started, as you mentioned, like, even though the third one isn't as dark as like the rest of them, but like, that's kind of like where they started turning it to be a little bit more dark. Um, right. So, yeah. And it all goes downhill from here. <laughs> As it were. As it were. Yep. Yes. So, I have two, well, three issues with this movie. Huh. I guess. And it has nothing to do with the actors. They, they're all fantastic. They're all fantastic actors. I was not convinced as Michael Gambon as Dumbledore. Yeah. I did not like his portrayal of Dumbledore. He was too aggressive. Dumbledore was not aggressive. Dumbledore was manipulative, but he was not aggressive. <laughs> I guess they, they couldn't get anybody. I don't know. I don't know. Right. No, I'm not saying that Michael Gambon is not a good actor. He is. Right. And he, he did he did well it's just his portrayal of Dumbledore was not what I one was used to seeing and two what I had envisioned in my head for mm -hmm. any of it mm -hmm. yeah. two Sirius 
Black's tattoos. <laughs> I'm sorry, but and I like Gary Oldman as an actor. He's a good actor. However, if I remember the books correctly, Sirius Black was always stated as being a very handsome man, a very handsome wizard. I, I didn't see it. Oh. I was not convinced. Don't forget he's also been in Azkaban. Because I thought in the fourth movie he looked a lot better. Yeah, but the tattoos. It was the tattoos for me. Like, why did they have to put tattoos on him? And I love tattoos. I didn't think they fit. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not like he went to, like, regular jail. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure they're... Um, they, they don't get... So, I mean, he obviously was doing... He did all those damn tattoos himself. Because I'm pretty sure that they weren't getting uh, yard time. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and they were sitting in a damn... I'm pretty sure they were sitting in a, in a little itty-bitty cell for uh, many, 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 many years all by themselves. Yes, I know. And they're little, little, cells. Yes. Now, granted, he was able to uh, stay in Animagus form, which kind of helped keep him saner than others, because the man is not sane in any way, shape, or form after he comes out the first time. Yeah, he is not. He is not. No, he 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 loses it. Yeah, he died. He done lost it. Yeah, he he done lost it a while ago. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I blame him. And and, uh, right, I I really don't. And the werewolf. Okay, like the CGI. The CGI werewolf. Yeah. That just I I I wasn't impressed. It was a lot scarier in the book. Yes. And they always said in the book that he it looked much more like an actual wolf, only bigger. Like I think it had like a longer nose, long snout, bigger feet. It was just like bigger. This just I was like, yeah, okay, I, I, I'm no. Go back and do it again. Get me a. De- I was like, go look at some big old look at some big old wolves. I mean, and just make it bigger, right? Like, I was thinking something like like the dire wolves from Game of Thrones. I mean, granted, they, you know, like, yeah, yeah couldn't have done something like that. That would have been more believable. Right. <laughs> Th- those were my three. Those were my three issues, really. Other than that, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean. So I really, the only other thing was I, I didn't like, I didn't like um, serious and uh, Hermione's uh, interaction once they got off the back of uh, Buckbeak. That, that that just screamed. That was a little squidgy, squicky to me. In the film. And it like, I, I, I didn't like it. It's just the, the way he kind of, he, he held her hand and all this. I'm just like, that's just a little squicky. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Man just been in prison for how right. long? <laughs> I, I know, but she's underage. Damn no, it. I know. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, you gotta be careful with that stuff. <laughs> exactly. I'm just like, I'm just a little, uh, yeah. No. You really are the brightest witch of your age. Like, okay, go away. <laughs> exactly. Go away. I'm just like, fly away. 
just like that, that 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 whole interaction just really was not no you creepy creepy no. man go <laughs> yeah um yeah no and, out of the out of the three yeah. uh in terms of movie or book to movie the third one had more changes in it than the first two but yeah, again right. still minimal right um, the, the the changes weren't anything that were detrimental detrimental to the plot just a few things that could have been changed or I, even things I think that could have probably even been been put into the films that were omitted that wouldn't have hurt it in any way, shape, or form. But yeah, right. it's okay. After our next episode, so basically we decided to do the first three books in one episode because we knew we would be able to get through them relatively quickly because there wasn't yes. that many changes from book to movie and whatever, but for the rest of the books. <laughs> it's going to be yes. one episode per book because starting with book four, there's just disastrous amount of changes yeah. uh, from yes. book to movie. And uh, I'm just going to say Half-Blood Prince was my least favorite movie. And we'll, I'll explain why when we get to that one, because that was just a travesty. Yeah, I, I think I know exactly what you mean by it, too. <laughs> There, there was a lot omitted from that one. It, it, it almost didn't feel like the movie went with the book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Other than the name, right? For our listeners, if we missed anything in terms of the adaptation from book to movie that you think is important, reach out to us. Let us know, uh, because again, we were kind of quickly reading through things, um, and just did a couple for per book. Because as we mentioned, again, the first three books didn't have us, at least, many significant changes. If there was something that you didn't like that was missed, feel free to reach out to us. Because we do like to hear from you guys. Yes, we want to hear from you. Please. Okay, so before we close out, as usual, uh, we have an email address where you can send us questions, comments uh criticisms on how to improve our show um you can email us at three fates decide at gmail.com it's the title of our podcast all in one word and the three is spelt out and you can also reach us on instagram at three fates decide the three is spelled out and feel free to send us dms let us know what you think we love feedback Thanks for listening, everyone. Catch us next time. And see what we're going to talk about. Because the three fates decide.